Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Monday, March 1st edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined by professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. The month of madness is here. Bunch of conference tournaments to talk about on today's show. Of course, we got the NCAA tournament coming up here in a little under three weeks. Lots of stuff going on in the college basketball world. We'll try to bring it all to you here on ATS Radio And I'm working on some conference tournament preview content for over at ATS.io as well. This is the busiest time of the year for me, not just because of conference tournaments, but also because of the 2021 MLB betting guide, which I posted last Thursday in individual article webpage form over at ATS.io. There is a PDF as well that's linked on my Twitter page at Skating Tripods, or you can email me, skatingtripods at gmail.com, and I will attach that PDF in my reply to you but all 30 teams previewed from a season win total standpoint team and player futures as well make sure you check that out over at ats.io or you can get that pdf off of my twitter page at skating tripods make sure you download the ats app as well which you can find in the google play store or the apple store full article integration from the website including my 2021 mlb betting guide but also college basketball, NBA, NHL, golf, NASCAR, UFC, all the coverage that we've got going on across all of the other sports as well, right there in that app, which also serves as a bet tracker. It's an odd screen with U.S. sportsbooks and a statistical database that can help you handicap the games, kind of break everything down. So a very, very powerful tool to have in the palm of your hand, that ATS app, which you can download today. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. And Kyle, how's it going today, man? Going pretty well, man. How about yourself? I'm pissed off. I'm, <laughs> I'm angry. I'm upset. You and I have been talking about this all morning. We were talking about it on text late last night. There are not a lot of conference tournament betting odds out there. I mean, you know, you've got the major ones where the bracket's not even set yet, but we've got several smaller conference tournaments coming up here this week. And they're not that far away either. The Atlantic 10, which the bracket's not set for that yet. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the Ohio Valley, West Coast, Missouri Valley, SoCon. No odds for any of these. What what are we even doing here? I don't understand this. Yeah, I mean, it kind of takes you back to the days just a few years ago where we were able to talk about all of them with odds far ahead of time. And, you know, I... I know I sound like an old man here, but you know, the, the good old days, it's uh, you know, it seems like it's been so long ago, but it really wasn't that far ago that we could talk about all these and just break down the odds and, and you know, what the ML rollover would be versus a futures price. And now we just have to kind of guess and, and give the best thoughts we can. And like you said, some of these that are about to tip off, we don't even know what the bracket looks like, which is even harder. So uh, it's definitely a bit of a cluster. And this isn't even just a COVID thing. I mean, I guess not knowing the bracket in the A-10, I mean, that, that's kind of a COVID thing. But, like, these sports books are just, they're unwilling to put themselves out there. They're unwilling to embrace any kind of risk for the most part these days. And you know, even Circa, who, you know, a lot of people widely regard as, as the best operator that's out there, at least in the U.S.-facing market. I mean, I was looking through the app. I, you know, I have it from signing up for the contest out there and, and all that. And they don't even have conference odds up for these things yet. And it's just, it's maddeningly frustrating for me, of course, as a content creator and and for you, you know, being able to talk about these things on the show. But like, 
I just, I don't understand. You, you can go to Ken Pop. You can go to Torvik. Haslametrics may even have this. I don't know. But you can put in the teams. You can put in the log. You can kind of fill in everything. Or the guys have already done that for you. Get the implied probability of these teams winning the tournament. Slap your theoretical hold on it. And go about your damn day. It's, you know what? Look, I don't want to discourage anybody from betting on sports because that's kind of kind of counterintuitive you know not only to to what we do over at the website and also talk about it here on the show but it's just it's it's maddening it is absolutely maddening the direction that this business is going in it is frustrating you know it feels like you know we're going in the wrong direction on quite a few different things and this is a great example of it because you know it used to be so easy to talk about all these things you'd have plenty of time to to prepare for it now i think you know we might be lucky if we get them out the night before you know if we have uh, odds the night before for games that are going to tip off the next day at 11 or 12 o'clock you know it does just doesn't give you much lead time if you want to give people a breakdown of of the conferences here i mean you know, it's hard to do without knowing what the numbers are going to be. Um, like we said, you know, we can talk about money line rollovers and kind of guess the odds. Um, it's a little easier if you can have futures prices. And, you know, um, this year being a COVID year, things are complicated even more. So like you said, you know, we can't say that's all what it is because the odds makers of uh, the, the sports books have been very clear that they are stalling more and more year by year. Um, so I, it's not just a COVID year thing, but COVID year on top of it, uh, this year is definitely very difficult. I mean, just put numbers out there and get your free publicity for it. You You'd know, think somebody like, would like it's. It's not like people are going to sit there and attack you with a sun odds or <laughs> you know, or, like in the Ohio Valley, for example. Right, it's a pretty good spread of teams, and we'll talk a little bit more about that conference as we get deeper into the show. But like Belmont losing two games last week, I mean, look, they they're inv- they're not invincible. You know, so it's a pretty good spread of teams. Figure out what Torvik or Ken Palm have for the tournament odds. Put your hold on it. Put them up and get your free publicity. You know, it's it's just whatever. I, it's I I'm gonna drive up my damn blood pressure here on a Monday. You know, but then then you get all these things where the offshores, the global books, send out all these press releases and these beat writers for these teams. You know, sort of regurgitate that data out there to you know their viewers on Twitter and all of that. And it's like, look, this is legal in the U.S. now. If you want your marketing, if you want your increased market share, why aren't you the one putting that stuff out there? Why are you letting the offshores put it out there first? I, for the life of me, I don't get it. And I guess, I don't know, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should find someone to fund me and I can put together a team and, uh, you know, we can run a sports book the way it should be run. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. It seems like somebody would take the position that, you know, they'd like to be first. You know, we've seen people do that in the offshore market in the past. And, you know, being first, you know, gets you quite a bit of publicity, like you said. You know, I don't know why somebody wouldn't try it, but instead everybody just kind of waits around and they put them all up about the same time and usually have kind of shitty odds. And, and that's just kind of the way it goes. But I mean, I, it's uh, we'll try to do the best we can to give people something that's of value here uh, based on the brackets and what we think the prices could look like. Um, you know, it's going to be a little more difficult than it used to be, but we'll do our best. Yeah, we'll definitely do our best here. And we'll talk about a lot of different conference tournament betting strategies as we go throughout. We'll talk about some of the venues. That's also a very important thing here. And Again, you know the the rant that we've had here so far, 
you know, I, I wish I was able to tell you more about the odds, about, you know, what sort of our strategies will be, but you know, we'll just kind of have to wing it a little bit and sort of guess where some of these things are going to be. So a lot of general conference tournament stuff I want to start with here real quickly is that, look, you know, and I talked about this last week on the show with Brad Powers on last Thursday's show, something that's nice about conference tournaments that we don't get with the NCAA tournament. And again, I think that conference tournaments are better for betting purposes than the NCAA tournament. I think the NCAA tournament, obviously a lot more watchable, a lot more exciting, but from a betting standpoint, give me conference tournaments all day because we've got data points of these two teams having played each other. We've got data points of these two teams playing against, you know, largely comparable competition, so to speak, in these conferences. There's a little bit more projectability to it. And I think think, I think it's just an easier kind of handicap. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, you know, it might not have the same excitement or publicity that uh, the big dance has, especially those first couple days of the big dance. But um, there are plenty of money making opportunities. We see some teams get in good spots, right? This will be something we talk about here later today as we go through these. But some of the higher seeds get really great spots as far as uh, teams that are on a quick turnaround. Uh, playing the night before, then playing the next afternoon or something like that. It's not something you're going to get in the NCAA tournament. You know, everybody's going to pretty much be on the same footing usually. So um, there can be some things that give you some edges here in conference tournament time that you won't be able to find in the big dance. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you think about obviously the consecutive days thing. I mean, usually that's very different. This year, you know, we saw teams playing on back-to-back days, which still isn't playing three games in three days or four games in four days. I mean, it's, it's still not the same thing. But another thing that I think is very important to take a look at here, and I, I believe, uh, you know, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, which we will talk about on today's show, is, is really known for this. Sometimes the start time of a game is a really big deal because yeah. you might play in the first session early in the day. You've got to play the next day at night. You may be playing a team that played you know, the night before at 9.30 or something like that. They have to turn around and play at 7 the next night, whereas you have eight extra hours off. So game times are always a pretty good thing to take a look at in these as well because, as you said, usually the higher seeds are kind of set up a little bit better. Uh, that's kind of one of the perks that they get you know, from playing well in the regular season. So keep an eye out for that. That's something that's a very, very big deal Something we will talk about, as I mentioned here again, uh, with the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. Absolutely. That, that is going to be the case in the Missouri Valley again, and there'll be some of the others that do that. We also see some of the conferences that usually have double buys. are not going to have double buys this year. Some of them that usually don't have double buys do have this year. So uh, things are a bit changed up this year, and we'll try to talk about that as we go. All right, so let's talk about the Horizon League Conference Tournament here. This one actually already started. The first round of games was at last Thursday Now we're into the quarterfinals, and this is a conference tournament that does reseed based on who advances. So Tuesday, coming up tomorrow night, number one-seeded Cleveland State gets Purdue-Fort Wayne, who pulled off a double overtime upset in the 10-7 game against Green Bay. So that means that the number two-seed Wright State winds up playing the 8-9 winner, which was Milwaukee. They beat IUPUI. Then you've got Detroit Mercy and Northern Kentucky, a pretty decent game there. Youngstown State and Oakland and this is one where we actually do have odds for it which is kind of nice and and as I talked about already something of a rarity now for our listeners here ATS.io is a U.S. facing website so anytime we can we are going to cite odds from the U.S. sportsbooks however in a case like this 
in terms of the horizon, you know, you kind of got to look in the global market to take a look at where things have kind of adjusted for this conference tournament. So Wright State in the global market, a minus 250 favorite now with Cleveland State and Detroit 6-1, to Northern Kentucky and Oakland 10-1, to and then on down from there. Yeah, Wright State's a deserving favorite here, clearly the best team in this conference. Um, you know, I, I will say Wright State doesn't get the easiest matchup in Milwaukee there. I think Milwaukee's a team that has a decent upside. I can't lay minus 250 with Wright State. I mean, they're the favorite, and they deserve to be the favorite, but that's way too high for me. You know, some what's, of the other things... What's Wright State's line in the cha- in a potential championship game against Cleveland State? Wright State. So that game would be played at... It's in Indianapolis, neutral Indianapolis. State. Indianapolis. Okay, so uh, let me look at what I think my numbers Because here, be. here's the thought here, and, and this is something that you absolutely need to do if you're looking to bet these conference futures, particularly a chalky price. Is Wright State going to be minus 250 or higher in that championship game? I mean, well, they're going to be minus 10 or something like that, right? So, so they minus would be nine higher and a half, minus 10. So they would be higher than that. So if you like Wright State at minus 250, the thought process here is that it's a discount if they get to the championship game. So then you have to sort of sit there and think to yourself, okay, what are the chances that Wright State gets beat by Milwaukee? Or what are the chances that Wright State gets beat by you know, what, maybe a Youngstown State or an Oakland or somebody like that in the semifinals, you know, that that's how you kind of have to weigh these things from a future standpoint. Yeah, I think this is a hard one to find any way to make money, to be honest with you. You know, I want to, we want to try to give some value, but I think we need to be honest when we think it's, it's difficult. Um, I will say that, you know, here's another good example of you just look at the odds that are posted on the Horizon League. You know, some of these places have like Detroit plus 600. If you like Detroit, you're definitely not taking plus 600 here. You're taking a money line rollover and you're getting, you know, plus 1500 or something like that instead of plus 600. So, you know, some of the things that we want to talk about are, um, you know, what we like in a particular conference. Others are, you know, just kind of educational that sometimes people take some really bad numbers here. It can really cost you a lot, you know, because if a team actually makes a run, while it feels nice to have a plus 600, in a title game or something like that, I mean, Detroit's going to be a massive underdog. So how good is plus 600 really going to be? I mean, they're just going to have to win. So, um, you know, you got to make sure you get the best price that you can. I, I can't take Wright State minus 250. I do think that they're the best team, but I don't think they're such a good team that there's no chance of them losing before they get to the title game. So this one, I don't have anything really strong. Well, and, and as we just talked about, right? So using the Detroit example, and this will kind of illustrate what we mean with regards to a money line rollover. So Detroit's probably in a pick'em, maybe plus one, something like that, at Northern Kentucky in the first game. So let's say you start with a hundred dollars and you take Detroit, what, plus one oh five, something. We'll we'll just make the math easy. Plus one oh five, right? So you bet a hundred to win one oh five. Let's say Detroit wins, right? Then you've got two oh five. So you turn your two oh five into the next game where Detroit probably plays Cleveland State, I would say. So there'll be a big underdog against, well, not, maybe not a huge underdog, but there'll be an underdog against Cleveland State. So maybe your plus 205, your $205 becomes plus 800 or something like that after the Cleveland State game. Your $100 investment, if they beat Cleveland State, has already paid out better than six to one. So that's the way you want to think about this money line rollover. Not to mention, you just said Wright State probably minus 10 against Cleveland State. So they're even bigger than that against Detroit. So plus 600 is an awful, awful futures number when a money line rollover might get you somewhere close to you know, 20 to one. 
Yeah, I think it'd be something close to that. The only thing I would say is um, I wonder if Detroit and Cleveland State would be priced pretty similarly, to be honest. You know, I think Cleveland State, a lot of people, even though they're the number one seed, they haven't really played that great at the end of the season. I think that could be pretty close to a pick game. But if Detroit gets into a final with Wright State, again, you're talking about maybe minus 10, 10 and a half, maybe. Uh, you know, you don't want to take plus 600 no matter what. Like you said, you could get better than plus 600 before they even get to that title game. So it's just an example of how uh, you have to be careful with these kind of things to make sure that you're getting the most out of your money. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we're basically saying like, you know, for Detroit to beat uh, Northern Kentucky and Cleveland State in a money line rollover, you're probably somewhere at four and a half to one, maybe five to one already before even getting to that right state game. And something else about that, too, is you've already made your money if you want, right? Like, let's say you don't like that matchup against Wright State, and it's pretty easy yeah. to see why. You just just stop betting it. If you take a plus 600 before the tournament, then you've got to decide, do I hedge? Do I let it ride? Do I try to do something from a live betting standpoint? You know, the money line rollover, your hedge is you stop doing it, or you can just bet less to keep rolling it over. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, I, I don't really uh, follow money line prices quite as close here in college basketball because I'm usually not betting the money line. But uh, what's a money line price look like for a minus 10? I mean, do you, I, I know I'm putting you on the spot there. I don't know exactly what that would be. Um, that's going to be a pretty significant number. Um, you know, college basketball wouldn't be quite as big as some other sports, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's what? Let's see. It'd probably be in about the, what would that be? Maybe the minus five yeah minus 500 ish range i was gonna say minus five 550 somewhere in there well let's see an example for today real quick st louis and umass st louis is minus 10 and a half and they're minus 550 on the money line so yeah i think that's probably a, a pretty good guess and you know it tells you that if you take the futures price and the team gets into the final game it's like Detroit already pulled a couple upsets and then they get in the final game and you're sitting there with having to lay almost minus 600, you know, if you want to try to hedge. So uh, it's just an example of how you need to do the best you can with the price. Right. And and you've got a six to one future. So you have no hedging margin, right? You know, so in, in that respect, the money line rollover is a great example here uh, for the horizon. If you took a team like Detroit or something like that, I'm sure there would be others that we could discuss, but you know, the sports books don't want to put odds out for us. We'll move on to the next conference tournament here, and uh, that one is the Big South. This one actually gets underway on Tuesday here. It was supposed to start last Saturday, but with COVID and some of the holdups that they've had and all of that, they actually kind of wound up pushing it back a little bit. Uh, or no, wait. Oh, they did play a couple. Play. Yeah. Presbyterian and Hampton, and then USC Upstate and High Point played the first round games. I don't even know if this was listed on Saturday, but it is listed now. So we can take a look at the Big South here where Winthrop is a massive favorite. Anywhere from minus 275 in the global markets to minus 300, minus 350 out there in the U.S. facing markets. Deservedly so, but you know, again, like you said, it's hard to want to find a, a burning reason to lay minus 300 in a conference tournament. Yeah, I mean, Winthrop's a very deserving favorite. You know, um, I I don't see how you can take a minus 300 at this point. You know, I see a Winthrop team that is much better than anybody else. Uh, There's no doubt about that. But, you know, they have to play several games to get here. And to me, you know, Winthrop, 
Well, you know, what kind of odds is that implying at a minus uh, minus three something? I mean, we're talking about a price that, you know, Winthrop is, is going to get knocked off, you know, a, a decent amount of the time. This is still a, a team that has some flaws. You know, they're the best team in the league. But Winthrop, to me, is a team that deserves to be favored, but not a team that you can bet uh, lay th- laying that much. I mean, they did lose that game to Asheville at home where they just kind of fell apart at the end of the year, it also kind of hurts them that they haven't had that many close games. If they actually get into a close game, I worry a little bit about them. You know, I want to go to the other side of the bracket and find some value. I think you probably have to either like Campbell or Gardner-Webb. If you like Campbell or Gardner-Webb, Radford's not a great team this year. Um, offensively, they're not as good as they have been in the past. You know, this Radford team was really good in the last couple seasons, but they lost a lot from that team. UNC Asheville was the team that I would have liked to back here, but there's two reasons I don't like UNC Asheville that much anymore. Number one, they're off a COVID pause of more than a month. So they come into this having not played since January, and then they go and play Longwood in the first game. And if they win that, they have to play Winthrop. So UNC Asheville to me is is one that I just can't take based on that. So I go down to the other side. I don't trust Hampton, um, Campbell or Gardner-Webb. You know, we see plus 1,400 on Campbell. Um, I think you could probably get to plus 2,000 if you do a money line rollover in that. Gardner-Webb, you, you see some really terrible prices out there, you know, plus 500, plus 700. Again, a money line rollover is going to get you double that at least. So it, it, that's who I would take, one of those two teams, if I was taking something. Again, I'm actually not going to bet anything in this conference. So, um, you know, I apologize that we don't have a little bit more actionable information right here, but uh, I think there are going to be a couple that I like more than this. But, you know, this one's already started up, and actually they play these games here on Monday. So, um, you know, we don't really have that much lead time for this one anyways. Oh, yeah, those games are on Monday here tonight. So, you know, it's it's such an interesting thing to take a look at when you've got such a heavy favorite there. And, and like we've talked about in the past, the, the goal from a future standpoint for conference tournaments would be to stay away from Winthrop as long as you possibly can. So that would be the winner of tonight's car, uh, Gardner-Webb and Campbell game. And when we look at the line for that one here tonight, Campbell a one-point favorite. That one's kind of fluctuating around. Some places have them a one-point dog. Either way, it's effectively a coin flip type of game, and they're at home, and yet they're plus 1,400 at DraftKings, and Gardner-Webb is plus 700 in a coin flip game tonight. So to me, I mean, I look at Campbell as a value team. They may be one and done here, but just based on the price, based on the fact that this first matchup is effectively a coin flip. Yeah. I mean, if you're taking a future, I think it's Campbell, but I agree with you that the money line rollover probably gets you a lot farther. Yeah, I think it does. I think Campbell is a team that, that has some upside. They're a good offense uh, as far as efficiency. They're not good defensively though. And that worries me this time of the year, certainly. So, you know, um, Campbell, Rated the lower team, obviously, because uh, they're plus one in a lot, a lot of places at home here. But, you know, if you're taking a futures price, they have more value than taking Gardner-Webb at plus 500 or plus 700. Again, though, Moneyline Rollover makes a lot of sense here. And as Adam said a little bit earlier, it's really easy to hedge or just stop betting in, the, in that case because you can either bet less or you can just stop betting. Um, in this conference, uh, you don't really want to have a futures price and have that team go against Winthrop in the final because it's going to be hard to hedge out of that. All right, so let's go to a conference tournament that hasn't started yet here, and that's the A-Sun Conference Tournament. And this one was pretty interesting. Last year, it was played at the campus site of the higher seed. This year, with COVID, 
it will be played in Jacksonville at North Florida's arena and then also at Jacksonville's arena, which oddly enough, Jacksonville on February 26th said, now we're done. We're good. We're, we're, we've had enough of our season. So now there are only eight teams here instead of nine. And they're, and last year, they took the last team off. But Kennesaw State gets in this year because Jacksonville's not playing despite hosting part of this conference tournament. So this is another one where things are just a, a little bit strange here. But Liberty draws a very easy first game here against the Kennesaw State team that was 2-13 and 13 in league play. Bellarmine's a really interesting one because they're the number two seed, but they are ineligible for the NCAA tournament. So they can win this, but then they don't go to the field of 68. Lipscomb is your three seed. North Florida, the four. North Alabama, also ineligible for the NCAA tournament. They're the fifth seed. Florida Gulf Coast only played nine conference games. They're the sixth seed. And then Stetson is the seventh seed here in this one. We don't have odds for the A-Sun tournament. Shame on all the odds makers out there for not putting that up. But Liberty would be a very big favorite here. Yeah, and the team that I like here is Lipscomb. I think Lipscomb from the bottom of the bracket makes a lot of sense. Like you said, Bellarmine's not eligible. They could certainly want to win this tournament, but, I mean, that that is one less reason to be terribly excited for this than what the other teams in the conference tournament have because they could go to the big dance. Lipscomb was considered a co-favorite before the year in this conference, and I would say they underachieved a bit. So I think Lipscomb is a team where – uh, Moneyline rollover from the bottom of the bracket makes sense. They're going to be a favorite there against uh, Gulf Coast of maybe something like three points in that first game. And then if they play against Bellarmine, I would think that you know, Lipscomb Bellarmine would be a pretty close line. Um, just kind of looking at my numbers here, and it looks like I, I think uh, Bellarmine would be you know maybe minus one, something like that. So, and honestly, given the situation, I think you'd probably pick something like that. So. Uh, Lipscomb has a real chance to be in that title game. Uh, I think Lipscomb money line rollover could be a good look here. And this is something I'll, I think I'll consider betting on myself. So where I said in the first couple that I don't think I'll bet on anything, I do like Lipscomb in this one. I think Lipscomb certainly has a shot at beating Liberty as well. Liberty is not this unbeatable team that they've been some years in the past. They don't have a dominant player anymore. They're certainly a deserving favorite and they have the easiest road to the final but I think Lipscomb is very capable of beating them. Yeah, Lipscomb did beat them once during the regular season. The two teams split. That was in Lipscomb. They won the first game 77-70, to 70, lost the second game the next day 66-50. to 50. They couldn't throw it in the ocean, and Liberty in that second game, 12 of 28 from three. So that was pretty much the difference uh, in that 16-point loss. But the Bisons did win, as I mentioned, that first game there. I don't know what the price is going to look like here. But I'm kind of interested a little bit in Stetson. Now, Stetson is a team that has been very inconsistent throughout the course of the season. Extremely inconsistent. But the other team that Liberty lost to in conference play was actually Stetson back on January 15th. They split with Lipscomb, so they kind of held their own there a little bit. They've got some inexcusable losses, which is a big reason why they're the seventh seed down here. But if Bellarmine is not interested in playing in this tournament, and I, I, you know, we don't really know that for sure, but it's kind of a zero-sum game for them. I mean, they can win the conference tournament, and that's cool, but they can't go to the NCAA tournament. Stetson, I mean, look, you know, they get one shot here, and, and they get it on Thursday night in that 2-7 game. So that's what I'm kind of looking at a little bit, uh, but I can definitely see where you're coming from with the Lipscomb rollover as well. 
Yeah, I mean, Stetson in that first game would probably be a four-and-a-half-point dog against uh, Bellarmine. I think um, them as a straight bet in that first game makes some sense. You know, what what you think they'd be able to do in that second game, I I think Lipscomb certainly has a higher upside than does uh, Stetson. But Stetson has been pretty consistently inconsistent, as you said. Um, You know, this is a Stetson team, uh, which I have to say the Hatters, great nickname, by the way. You know, it's one of the best nicknames, in my opinion. I like the ones that are very different. But Stetson did beat Lipscomb in one of the two games in the regular season. They also beat Liberty, like you said, so their upside is high. I would imagine you could get a pretty good price if you take Stetson. So I think both of us think that attacking the bottom of this bracket in one way or another is probably the way to go. Right. And and look, I mean, ultimately, Liberty probably does win it. But, you know, I, I'm probably not going to look to lay the Liberty price here unless I do that and take a team from the bottom of the bracket that I really like. You know, that that's always a possibility, too, because, you know, I don't know what Liberty's price is going to be. I wish I, you know, could. But it's also one of those things where, look, Liberty's probably not losing before the final. So you take that price and you get somebody there from the bottom of the bracket and you wind up free rolling the title game. So that's always something that can be a possibility, especially in these smaller conferences where you only have eight teams. You know, there's a little bit more projectability to what you think is going to happen in that conference tournament. So that's also a possibility where you're going to get a better futures price on Liberty than you would get, you know, when they played in the championship game. So at least there's that. And if you pick the right winner from the bottom of the bracket, well, you're free rolling the title game and, you know, you're going to make some money either way. Yeah. I mean, Liberty's going to be a big favorite. So I'm kind of just guessing as we go, maybe minus 190, minus 200, something like that. Um, you know, Ken Palm has their odds at winning this conference tournament at, at about 70%. So uh, I think it'll be, you know, pretty expensive to take Liberty, but it may be deserving. All right, so we move on from that one here, and and we'll talk for a minute about the A-10, but the bracket's not even set yet. So the interesting thing is the first round is on Wednesday, and those matchups look to be set, but then they're kind of not because I guess this conference is doing some weird things. So they've got an eight-game minimum to, you know, sort of get kind of your seating and sort of figure things out uh, in the bottom of this conference, and it looks as though George Washington only played eight games. So George Washington winds up being ranked 13th here in this conference, even though they're three and five, which is better, you know, than, than some of the teams that are out there, but they take on St. Joseph's in an 11 AM game on Wednesday. Then LaSalle and Fordham play in the other first round game and everything else is more or less up for grabs here because there are games in the a 10 tonight. Yeah. This is one that's hard to talk about, you know, based on that, you know, as far as the odds, you know, it looks to me like, you know, we, we've got St. Louis around plus 200, a lot of places, VCU around plus 200. Um, you know, this this is a really difficult one for me, you know, based on the fact that we don't know what the bracket looks like. And there are a lot of teams that could win this conference tournament. You know, sometimes you kind of want there to be a bit of a favorite so that you can uh, find some futures value. If everybody's priced around the same, you know, it can make it a little bit difficult. To me, A-10... Uh, I'm not too too terribly interested in this one. I know that you said um, this one's being played a different location what, than what it usually has. So that's that's uh, of note here. Yeah, absolutely. So this one is usually played at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. But because of COVID regulations, it will be played in Richmond now. It's going to be played both on Richmond's campus and on VCU's campus. So that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 
And then I don't know why the hell they did this, but the championship game is eight days later. It's on March 14th at UD arena in Dayton. So the team that wins that, I guess will be closer to Indianapolis to kind of go and, and get in the tournament bubble and all of that. But you win your semifinal games on Saturday then you don't play again until the following Sunday and you've got to go to Dayton to do it in a very true neutral setting. Yeah. That unless, makes it unless as, Dayton makes the title game, but I don't think they will. Yeah. And probably not. That makes about as much sense as some of the other things we've been talking about here today. You know, there's just, it doesn't make too much sense to go eight days in between. Uh, but you know, this year hasn't made a whole lot of sense in general with so many things being crazy. Um, DraftKings has Richmond plus 400, I would say Richmond plus 400 is a pretty decent price without looking at the bracket, knowing that they're going to be playing some games at home. And I know they have some injuries and that's of note here too, but Richmond's a team that is capable of winning at St. Bonnie's been playing really well here at the end of the season. So, you know, at about four to one, I think St. Bonnie makes some sense as well here, but it's hard to do too much without a bracket. So the first round and the semifinal games are at VCU. The second round and the quarterfinals are split between both venues. So if VCU gets to the semifinal game, they will be at home in that game. So I don't know if that kind of swings the thought process at all when it comes to VCU. But then, of course, you know, as I said, the championship game out at Dayton anyway. So, you know, tough one. But the one thing that I will say here is that, you know, and I know you do this a lot from a total standpoint, and we'll talk about some under venues here as we go forward. But Now these guys go from playing at the Barclays Center, which would be a cavernous, empty NBA arena, to playing in Richmond and VCU, smaller venues, venues that all of these teams have gone to, are familiar with, all of that. So maybe that helps scoring a little bit in this tournament. Yeah, and even UD is fine for scoring as well. They've played there plenty. So, yeah, I agree. We'll see if um, maybe the unders get bet across the board. I think they probably will here in conference tournament season. You know, usually uh, this time of the year, if you want to bet an under, you want to bet it right away. If you want to bet an over, you want to bet it at the end. Uh, Maybe they bet down all the totals, and these become overvalues based on the fact that, you know, the other games are getting bet under. So this gets, gets bet down just like the rest, even though it shouldn't. All right, so we move on to the next conference tournament here. And, and again, you know, I, I wish our thoughts were a little bit more organized. In particular, I wish my thoughts were a little more organized. Kind of looking at this stuff last night, flying back from a weekend in Atlanta. And, you know, it's just it, – it's frustrating. It threw me off this morning that we didn't have a whole lot of odds for these things. And then, you know, obviously all the differences that just sort of come along with a COVID season. But for the fourth straight year here, the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament at the Ford Center in Evansville, Indiana – was played in Nashville for the longest time, but now it's in Evansville, Indiana. And this one is very interesting for a few reasons. One is only the top eight teams qualified for the conference tournament. So Eastern Illinois, UT Martin, Tennessee Tech, Tennessee State, congratulations, your season is over. You made it through, but you're not in the conference tournament. Belmont, the number one seed, went into last week 18-0 and in conference play, lost both of their games, lost to Eastern Kentucky, and Moorhead State. Moorhead State, your two seed. Eastern Kentucky, your three seed. But honestly, the top six teams in this conference are all pretty decent. Jacksonville State is a very well-coached team. Murray State and Austin P. they've been around the block a few times. And something else interesting about this conference tournament this year that we haven't seen in a while is that Belmont and Moorhead State do play first-round games. Now, usually the Ohio Valley 
gives their top two teams a double bye into the semifinals. That is not the case here this year. Belmont and Moorhead State will both play on Wednesday night in the first round. Yeah, and they'll go back to the way that they've done it before next year, but this is kind of a one-year thing that they're, they're going to play it this way. I want to say, first of all, that Belmont lost both of those games without their star player, Nick Muzinski. Uh, Muzinski has an injury. He was seen in a boot at, at their game at Moorhead State this past weekend. Um, they're saying he's going to try to play here, but that would worry me about taking Belmont here. They have to win three straight games with their best player, by far their best player, Definitely not 100%. So I, I think I would look to go against Belmont in some way in this tournament. I like Austin Peace on here. Austin Peace should have been far better than they had been, um, have been this year. To me, Austin P, uh, Terry Taylor could be the best player in the conference, you know, maybe second or third, probably behind Nick Mazinski, to be honest. But uh, Austin P has underachieved. Murray State is really not very good this year. And that's something that you pointed out early on. Murray is just not very good. So, you know, Belmont doesn't really have a tough road, but Austin P, I think they're against a team in Eastern Kentucky that they can beat there in that first game. I mean, they've proven they can beat them. And Moorhead State, I don't think is as good as most two seeds would be. I think Austin P has a real chance to win those first two games. In fact, I'm interested in Austin P uh, on a straight uh, bet for that first game against Eastern Kentucky. Hopefully we see something like plus four, which is what they're projected at there. Um, so I, I hope I get plus points there with Austin P. Uh, if so, you can get a money line rollover. You can start with a plus money price on Austin P. And then Moorhead State's a very beatable team in that second game. It wouldn't surprise me if Austin P won the entire thing. However, it wouldn't surprise me if they lost the first game and Eastern Kentucky makes a run as well. So I think you got to find the team that you like from the bottom of this bracket here. But I will point out that DraftKings has a Belmont, whether they'll make the tournament or not make the tournament, um, not make the tournament is plus 160, which implies obviously they're going to be a big favorite here because Belmont's not making the tournament if they don't win this tournament. So um yeah, I think Belmont will be a significant favorite, but I wouldn't want to lay it with Belmont. Yeah, I think that's all fair. I think it was a good breakdown there from you. And, you know, look, I mean, I, I there are things I kind of like about all four of those teams in that three through six range. You know, Jacksonville State, as I mentioned, a very well-coached team, pretty efficient offensive team, and that's something that I do like about them. Their problem is they don't force turnovers. And there are some teams in this conference that do force turnovers at a high rate, Austin P being one of them. Eastern Kentucky actually takes really good care of the basketball and has a high turnover percentage on defense. They play at one of the fastest tempos in college basketball. They could be an interesting little matchup here uh, in this conference tournament, but also too, you know, a team that has to win by outscoring the opposition. Now you go to this neutral setting that you only play at once a year. You know, how does that kind of impact their offensive profile and all of that? It's, it's a very difficult conference tournament. I think to try and, and really narrow down your focus because I think you could make a case for, you know, you already made a case for Austin P. I think Murray state is down quite a bit. As you mentioned, I can make a case for five of the six teams, you know, in the top six here to really have a chance to win this thing, especially with Belmont being vulnerable. Yeah, I think you could certainly, I think I'll take Austin P here on a money line rollover. I did want to note too, that the Ford center, the under is 13 and 12 neutral site game so this is not like Bridgestone Arena in Nashville where it was a great under venue some of the unders have been pretty low here so I think this would probably be considered a slight positive for unders but uh, nothing uh, really large so we're gonna try 
and put together another show here this week and try to do two shows next week as well, if we can, to try and tackle as many of these conference tournaments as possible. But not sure when we're going to have that second show up here. So we're going to try to go a little bit later on into the week. Those were conference tournaments that start on Wednesday and Thursday. We had some more here on Thursday, beginning with the West Coast Conference. And and this one is very easy. It's very simple for us to kind of skip this one uh, and just sort of save some time a little bit. But there are a couple of totals angles that you think are worth considering here as Gonzaga will be a gargantuan favorite in this tournament. I don't know what this price is. I don't know if it's minus 1,000. I don't know if it's higher than that. But this is one where you get the double buy. It's actually really like a almost a triple buy into the semifinals here for number one seeded Gonzaga and number two seed Belmont or uh, Belmont, number two seed BYU, who correct me if I'm wrong, BYU is already solidly in the NCAA tournament field, no matter what happens here. Yeah, I think BYU is probably in here. I mean, the, the, the bubble's not particularly strong this year. I mean, they're still trying to talk about Minnesota as a bubble team. You know, I, I can't believe that's even still being talked about, but you know, to me, um, I wish Belmont was in this league, honestly. You know, we need one more good team, right? Um, Imagine I think maybe, that travel schedule. <laughs> right, right. I, I think Adam was wishing one more good team into this. Um you know, imagine how this is set up for those teams that play in the first round. If if somebody tried to make a run, they're going to have to play what, I guess there's a break on Sunday, but they're, they'd play what, five games in six days or something like that. So um, San Francisco is pretty good for an eight seed. I think San Francisco could, could make a run there. And it wouldn't su- surprise me if San Francisco got up to that game where they lost to Gonzaga. I think that's um, certainly has some potential to be the case. San Francisco had a COVID pause and played poorly out of that uh, here at the end of the season. Gonzaga is going to be such a big favorite that this one's not much fun to talk about. But I did want to say that this is at Orleans Arena. The over is 58 and 38 in the last 96 neutral site games here. Totals of 141 or higher, 34 and 18 to the over. So even the high unders haven't worked here. This is clearly not an under arena. I guess I'll ask you, I mean, do you think there's something to the fact that the overs have been doing well here? Do you think this is just kind of statistical noise? No, I mean, I think there's something to it, especially when you consider that, you know, in this conference, I mean, there's a lot of teams that just don't move super quickly year in and year out. You know, you you do have a little bit of pace wars here. and, And this conference has gotten a little bit faster, I guess, of late with teams just trying to do something different. But you really don't have a lot of teams that fly up and down the floor or anything like that. And you're still seeing a lot of overs here. It just must be a good shooting backdrop for this one. And I will say that speaking of shooting backdrops, just in general here, I don't believe fans are allowed at this conference tournament. I don't know if they're allowed at any of the conference tournaments in Vegas. I'm not entirely sure about that. I don't think they are here though. Um, And that'll be something too, where, you know, it's not like these tournaments are, you know, attended and Moss anyway, because, I mean, you don't have a team in this conference that's in Vegas. I'm sure some of these fan bases have used it as an excuse to go. But you know, now you're not going to have anybody in some of these big barns and some of these big arenas. So, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see what impact, if any, that has on totals betting. Yeah, it, that's a that's a good topic for sure. And I, I think that, in general, you tend to think that with no fans, it's probably not very good for the over. I mean, because it's something they're not used to. But they've been playing that way a decent amount this year. So it's kind of hard to say, I mean, maybe they're, they're a bit more used to it now than they were. And some of these other um, ones that are having fans, you know, it's a very small number. So I, I don't think many of these will have a lot of fans in the stands, but 
you know, as far as Orleans Arena, it looks to me like it's a bit an, of an over venue. And there are a lot of bad defenses in this league as well. And, and Gonzaga games, I mean, people like to bet the under in Gonzaga games nearly every game because, you know, there's a widespread. Uh, there are some systems that are, you know, high point spread. Uh, bet the under, but Gonzaga is the exception to that rule. Gonzaga can run up the score on anybody at any point. And I wouldn't want to bet unders with Gonzaga in this tournament either. And before anybody looks at this and they are potentially on a crash course in the semifinals, St. Mary's and Gonzaga, St. Mary's has been the only team that's beaten Gonzaga in this conference tournament. I think dating back to 2008 uh, in the finals, San Diego did it, I think in 2008, uh, when I looked at that for a, a conference tournament preview for ATS.io. But in the two games these two teams played, Gonzaga won by 14 and by 22. So unless St. Mary's does something magical, like they've been, you know, like they've done a couple times here in this tournament before, probably doesn't go super well for them in the semifinals. So people may look at St. Mary's' price and be like, oh, wow, you know, I, I know they've won this a few times here recently. Yeah, but they would also have to beat not only Gonzaga, but probably BYU to do it. That's why their futures price looks like it does. Yeah, St. Mary's lost that last game by 22 to Gonzaga, and I think they were down by 40 or maybe even more than that. You know, they had a really good run at the end of the game to make it look like it was somewhat close at 22. St. Mary's, um, I can't imagine them beating Gonzaga this year, so I I wouldn't take anything to do with the St. Mary's future here. I cannot believe that we don't have odds for this conference tournament. But let's talk some Arch Madness here. And this is a very, very fun conference tournament, year in and year out, always interesting, always exciting, always something weird that happens in this thing. Usually the chalk winds up doing pretty well, but you may get some team off the radar that winds up playing them in the final or something like that. But this one starts Thursday night, runs through Sunday, the final game, one ten central time, on Sunday, Loyola Chicago, the best team in this conference, they will be, I would say, a decent favorite once odds get posted for this, especially because Drake has some significant injury is- some significant injury issues here as the two seed Missouri State, the three, Indiana State, the four, and then a pretty big drop off from there. Yeah, I would think that uh, Loyola Chicago would be minus 130, minus 140, something like that. Uh, they, they have to be... Um, it has to be bigger than plus 100. They have to be laying something. Loyola is certainly the best team here. They haven't played that well in their last couple games. I still think they're clearly the best team. And Drake, like you said, major injury issues. Question is whether um, Hemphill is going to play for Drake because he's really important. Penn is out. Um, Drake, you know, they have not a terrible setup there in that first game with Northern Iowa or Illinois State. Probably teams that they can beat even without those guys. But the next game, they would probably play against Missouri State. And I think Missouri State certainly would have a real chance in that game. Uh, Gage Prim, a really good player there for Missouri State. I think Missouri State could end up in the finals of this. Um, So uh, Missouri State money line rollover, definitely a possibility for me in this one. Uh, The other thing I want to point out here, obviously this is played at Enterprise Arena, which was Scott Trade Center before, a hockey arena. Great under venue. Everybody knows this now. So if you like the under, you want to bet it early because it's going to get bet down by several points. The under is 74 and 47 uh, on the closing line here in neutral site games. Uh, Limited attendance here. I will say um, 74 and 47 on the closing line. If you had bet it on the opening line, it would have been way better because these games get bet down significantly. They will again this year. 
Um, like I said, Drake really beaten up. I think Missouri State's capable of getting to the the finals here. Loyola is the best team, deserved favorite. You can't bet anything on Loyola's side, I don't think. I, I don't know why anybody would want to take anything to do with Indiana State, Evansville, and and really any of the teams in that opening round game on Thursday. I don't think they really have a chance to go anywhere in this conference tournament. Yeah, that's a 61% trend on the closing line, like you said. I mean, on the opening line, it's got to be 65 plus. Maybe yeah, I was going to say two thirds. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a significant trend. And as you said, everybody knows about that. So look, blind bet the under when it gets posted. And, yeah. you know, then you can decide if you want to middle it, maybe middle it for half, something like that, or just go ahead and let that closing line value ride a little bit. And that's a really important thing is that, you know, some of these conference tournaments are in places that maybe seat four, five, six thousand. 6,000. I mean, this is a hockey venue that seats 18, 19, 20,000 with maybe what 15% capacity, 20%, something like that. So this is already a very big arena when there actually are people there now with, you know, limited people, a smattering of people all over the place, uh, you know, probably not going to have a whole lot of high scoring games here in this one. I agree with you that Missouri State, probably the way that you want to look to attack this here, because as we said, Drake is a week two seed with the injuries. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest takeaways of some of these conference tournaments that we've discussed here so far. Look to prey on week number two seeds. I think that's the way you really attack this futures market, because you stay away from the number one, who more often than not is a number one for a reason. And you get to attack that number two seed that could be kind of weak. You get a good three seed that plays, you know, a six or something like that. You can usually find some opportunities on those. So I think Missouri State very much the way to look to attack this. Loyola Chicago probably does win it. And I know that bubble teams around the country are absolutely hoping that Loyola does win it because they're in already. Whether they win this or not, they're in already. So we could have a bid stealer come from the bottom half of this conference. Yeah, they'll definitely be rooting for Loyola here in this uh, tournament. I do think Loyola probably wins this one. They have great defense. Uh, Cameron Crutwig, a really good player there for them and on the inside. Uh, Porter Moser is a good coach. I think Loyola is a dangerous team in the big dance. Uh, at the bottom of this bracket, I think Missouri State has a real good chance to get to that final game, especially if Drake is continuing to be that banged up. So if you want to bet Missouri State, one of the things you want to look at too is whether Drake's going to have Hemphill available for that game. Yeah, I think that's very important. And again, you know, sometimes it can be tough to get news. Uh, There could be some gamesmanship involved here from Drake. Maybe not, you know, really letting anybody know. It's something where you're going to want to keep up on the latest and see, you know, if Hemphill's out there during the warmup, how he looks, if anybody says anything about, you know, if he's going to play or anything like that. We take a look now at the SOCON conference tournament here, which actually it looks like this one's been pushed back a day to start on Friday, March 5th. The bracket is set for this one. Again, we don't have odds, so just kind of doing the best we can here. This one is at the Harrah's Cherokee Center in Asheville, North Carolina. So I'm not sure if you have any data about that as far as uh, how the shooting backdrop goes and all of that. But UNC Greensboro, the number one seed, Wofford 2, Furman 3, Chattanooga, ETSU, some pretty good teams in the middle of this conference. This thing should be pretty wide open But also something to keep in mind here is that you've got this neutral site, been the neutral setting for this thing for uh, a little while now. And these are a lot of jump shot oriented teams in this conference usually. 
Yeah, based on the data, it looks like this is a pretty neutral uh, court, you know, not really great for the under, not not great for the over. So it looks to me like we don't have a big uh, shooting issue here at the Cherokee Center. Um, Asheville is a pretty good neutral site for these. A lot of the teams are pretty close to there. UNC Greensboro wins the top seed on the final day. They win in overtime. And then Furman and Wofford. Wofford um, wins right at the buzzer against Furman. And Furman gets knocked down from a number one seed to a number three seed. I think Furman and Greensboro are the best two teams in this conference. I think there's a good chance those two teams meet in the final game here. I was hoping that Greensboro would kind of, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, they struggled and they were, um, you know, not playing up to par. I think the problem is Greensboro has played so well here at the end of the year. They're going to be a favorite here. I was hoping we could get Greensboro at a decent price, but now that they're the number one seed, I mean, there's no surprise, you know, nobody's going to be shocked if Greensboro wins this conference tournament. I think East Tennessee state and Chattanooga in the first game are two teams that I think are both a bit overvalued. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what to think about that game other than just, you know, I kind of want to go against either of those two teams when they play Greensboro in that next game, because I think, Greensboro is a good um, several notches better than them on a neutral court. So I like Greensboro's path there at the top. I think Furman has a good chance. Um, you know, VMI, they've had a COVID pause here lately, which is not great. You don't want to go from a COVID pause straight into your conference tournament. So I think Furman's in a good spot in that first game. Also, I think Furman, I mean, they just lost to Wofford at the buzzer to deny them of a regular season title. Uh, that's a real good quick shot for revenge there against Wofford if they play in that second game. So I like uh, Furman's path to get the title here as well. Yeah. I like those. I like both of those positions that you're taking a look at there. And, and again, you know, this is one of those conference tournaments where it's a league where not a ton of defense is played. You know, it's a lot of shooting uh, some teams that, you know, don't force a lot of turnovers. The better teams usually take great care of the basketball. So you, know, you kind of want to look at balance in, in a lot of these conference tournaments, but especially in this one here where, you know, Furman, best offensive team, pretty good defensive team, Greensboro, the best defensive team, competent enough on the offensive side. And especially too, because they take care of the basketball really well. So I think that probably does wind up, you know, being your crash course matchup there for the championship game. Before we move on, I want to circle back because I, I can't believe we forgot to talk about this, but the Missouri Valley conference tournament, as we talked about, a good venue for unders, but I'm surprised at this, that they kept pretty much the same schedule format for this conference tournament, because usually what happens in some of these is that you've got two different sessions. So in between, they'll empty out the building. You have to have tickets for each individual session. So you'd get the first two games in the quarterfinals at 11 and two, then the next game's at five and eight. Well, they kept that schedule, even though they're probably not really moving too many people in and out of the building. Uh, you know, with COVID and all of that. But here's something that's really interesting is that Loyola plays at 11 a.m. Central time on Friday in their quarterfinal game. They'd turn around and play at 12.05 Central for the semifinal game on Saturday. They'll play Indiana State Evansville, which is at two. So Loyola gets a couple of extra hours of rest. But where it really factors in is in the second of the semifinal games. Drake will play the winner of the 7-10 game in the quarters at 5. Then Missouri State and Valpo play at 8. The winner of that Missouri State-Valpo game has to turn around and play at 3 the next day. Hmm. So that's a pretty big disadvantage to the team that wins that late game in the quarterfinals, even though Missouri State you know, does look like they could take advantage of an injury-riddled Drake team. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, usually it's it's more of a factor in the top of the bracket here, and instead we get it here at the bottom of the bracket. So I think that's a great point, and it's something that you would want to consider before you bet Missouri State. So I think Missouri State would have a real chance in that game, especially if Drake is without Hemphill in that game. But, um, you know, it's set up for Drake to be in a good spot there, of course. Um, I, I think that maybe that gets you some line value in Missouri state. I don't know who would pay attention to something like that, but the fact that you brought that up, I think is really good because, you know, we're trying to look at every single edge that we can. All right. So let's talk about the Sunbelt conference tournament here just to, to fit this one. in, cause I think this is really interesting. You know, we talk about the, the enterprise center there in St. Louis and how it's a great under venue and everybody knows it. And there are some venues that are very good for unders. And there have been some that have been, you know, pretty good for overs as well. Here in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, this is a brand new arena for this conference tournament in Pensacola, Florida. They're playing the first and second round games at Hartzell Arena. They're playing the uh, quarterfinals and the, or no, just the semifinals and the championship exclusively at the Pensacola Bay Center. So this is a brand new venue for these teams. And you do have teams that wind up with some buys. They won't play in the first round but they'll play in the quarterfinals and you'll have some teams that have played at the Pensacola Bay center in their first couple games and other teams that didn't. And that could be an advantage once we get to the semifinals or the championship. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. Um, you know, some of these teams that are in the quarterfinals or semifinals that have an easier path on paper are going to be at a disadvantage there and they could be a good bet against team in, in that single game. So I like that point a lot. I think that, you know, this one was played sometimes in the past there at that lakefront arena where it was really good for unders. I don't know much about this one, uh, Pensacola, Pensacola Bay. You know, this is one where I don't have any data. I know this is the first time they've played there. Uh, just looking at it as, as we were talking, it says the capacity for hockey games was 8,000 and for non-hockey 10,000. So it's not a massive arena, but it also isn't small. You know, I don't know what the the um, attendance policy is here for this one either, but, you know, I don't think it'll be uh, very, very much. There won't be very many people there. So, you know, if you look at the bracket, um, who, Adam, who are the teams that are going to be playing at Pensacola Bay there in the first games? I have no idea, honestly. Okay, I was going to – I don't know. It, this is – like, the way that they set this up is very – so they wound up having – seeds for each division and then kind of paired everybody off after that so georgia state is the number one seed from the east division texas state the number one from the west division coastal carolina the number two from the east louisiana number two from the west and then you play cross division so the west four plays the east five east three plays the west six west six plays the east six so on and so forth i uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to do with this conference tournament to be honest with you yeah um I, I it looks like most of these games are going to be played there at um Hartsell arena Hartsell center it's yeah this is a this is an interesting one because they've never played there before um it's probably an advantage for the teams who just played there so you could argue the teams in that quarter final um are at a disadvantage for that single game, at least, you know, obviously they don't have to play as many games, but maybe say a team like uh, South Bama goes up against Louisiana, a Louisiana team. That's not great, but was seated second there in the West um, South Bama would have a real chance in a game like that. Texas state had a really impressive season. 
their coach got fired in the off season. They get a new coach right before the season. They come out and play very well, very good defensive team. You know, if I'm looking at a team to go at, go attack here, um, I, I don't really think that Louisiana is as good as the two seed. Um, and Coastal Carolina is probably not a great two seed either there at the bottom. You know, it's kind of messed up. We're, we're talking about one and two seeds, and there's multiple of each. Uh, I feel like this is kind of messing with both of us. So, um, you know, we're, we're looking at a very weird conference tournament. And uh, this has been a weird season. This is going to be a weird um, postseason as well. So, you know, as far as who I would like to take in this one, um, South Bama probably would be a money line rollover candidate there. A team that played a lot better defensively later in the season than they did early in the season. Appalachian State had a COVID pause and played poorly after that. You could make an argument for them. I will point out Little Rock was the favorite in this conference, and they had some major team chemistry problems and looked like they just weren't even trying at the end of the season. So um, had the one player kicked off the team who just sat in the stands in the middle of the game. Um, I, I couldn't bet Little Rock, and I wouldn't want to bet them on a single game or anything to do with them in this conference tournament. Oh, this This one's fun, isn't it? It's just it it's kind of all over the place here. Uh, Pensacola State University or Pensacola State College uh, is, is where some of these games are going to be here. The Hartzell Arena, it, it looks like a high school gym. So you're going to have some teams that play in what looks like a high school gym. Arkansas State, Georgia Southern, and then App State Little Rock will play in this high school gym looking facility. Louisiana and Coastal Carolina will as well. So to me... I look at it with a team in, in Coastal Carolina here that, you know, we've talked about them on the show before. They like to shoot threes. And in fact, they're pretty proficient at doing it. So they're a team that's going to go from playing in this tiny little community college venue where it's got the high school looking seats to then going to this big arena if they make it to the semifinal games. So maybe you look to fade Coastal, you know, on, on that, I guess. But I mean, this one is, uh, this one's quite unique and also too, it is worth pointing out that we're going to get a small sample size of data here, but the Pensacola Bay Center will be the home of this conference tournament for the next five years. So this will be the new venue for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, even though, of course, as we know, there are no teams from Florida in the Sunbelt. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting, but uh, it makes a lot of sense, right? It makes about as much sense as some of the other things um, here. But I will say, I'm glad that you said something about Coastal Carolina, because as I thought about it, you know, as, as we're trying to think through where these games are being played and, you know, why are they being played there and why is there two numbers, two seeds and two number one seeds, you know, things like that. I do want to say that UT Arlington was without their best player for a lot of the season. David Azor, he's back, and they did better when he was in there for sure. Arlington could be a good bet in that game against Coastal Carolina. So um, I think that's a, a potential spot to be looking at. Yeah, definitely. Make sure you head over to uh, sunbeltsports.org, the, uh, the Sunbelt Conference there. The bracket is right on the front page, and it will show you where these games are being played. So Again, I think there's a major disadvantage going from this very small state college floor to playing in this bigger arena. I think that will be problematic for those teams that do advance to the semifinals and potentially onto the championship game as well. So just something for you to keep in mind. There's something for you to consider. All right, we'll cram in one more conference tournament here. And as I said, we're trying to do something more uh, You know, later in the week here. If we can't put it together, I apologize for that, but you know, obviously just a, a lot of plates spinning right now and a lot of things to kind of figure out with these conference tournaments. 
when we go to the Patriot League here, where this one, games are played on the campus site of the higher seed. So that makes it nice and easy. What doesn't really make it easy here is that these teams played a very weird schedule. You had this conference broken down into three divisions. You largely only played the teams within your division, from what I remember. Uh, it It was a strange regular season, to say the least, where Navy is the number one seed, Colgate two, Lafayette three, Army four, American only played nine games, and they're somehow the five seed here. Uh, I, I don't know. Anything to say about this one? I mean, some of these teams played half their games against one team, so it's it's <laughs> it's hard to. I mean, you know, when Loyola Maryland's playing Lafayette every single game, it's kind of hard to know what to make of it. Um, I think Colgate's the best team in this league, so I, I don't know who will be favored here, but I think Colgate is the most likely winner of this. Uh, Boston University's way down, Lehigh's way down. So I think that first game for them is is a fairly easy one. Navy's played much better than anybody would, would have thought. Loyola Maryland is a regression candidate, positive in a big way. But, you know, they haven't they haven't been showing it on the court. You know, by the by the numbers, they should be better than what they, they have been here. Um, I would probably look to bet on them against Holy Cross in the first game, or I'd at least lean that way. I don't know if I trust them against Navy, though, because they've shown that they're not very good against Navy. At the bottom of the bracket, Colgate doesn't really have a team that I think is very capable of beating them. So I think Colgate's going to be in the final game here. I I like Colgate the most of these teams. I will give you one angle that I'm looking at here. It looks like the quarterfinals are on Wednesday night for this one. I would bet Boston University on Wednesday. Lehigh did not play at BU, and BU forcing road teams to play in masks Mm -hmm when they're on that Boston university campus and Lehigh played, you know, some close games here. They're not a very good team at all, but they played some close games throughout the season only went four and 10, but didn't play at BU. So that's probably a pretty bad spot for a team. That's, you know, not great to begin with. Then they have to go and play wearing masks. I I don't know if they're going to be too excited about that idea. Torvik showing BU a six point favorite in this game. Maybe it opens a little bit higher than that, But I do think that's an angle to look at here, at least in that first game, uh, where BU, they won't be at home in any other game because they won't be the higher seed. They're a seventh seed. But in that game against Lehigh, they will have to force the Mountain Hawks to wear masks. And I I don't think the team will be super keen on that idea. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, uh, the the devil's advocate point, I would say, is Boston University has sucked at home this year. So, I mean, if you look at, they've played really poorly at home. They've won several times on the road. They've won one game at home this year. So, I mean, they're going to be laying points. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I'm excited to lay points with them because of that. In theory, it makes sense. Um, It does look like the games have been relatively low scoring. I don't know. I mean, this is something that I'm going to be honest, you know, Adam and I are not used to handicapping, you know, what's scoring going to be like, or what's who's going to be favored when one team's wearing a mask or when both teams have to wear a mask. So this is not something that's in, in my area of expertise. That's for sure. What? You're not going to have a Patriot league game of the century mask wearing bonanza bet. On it's that a, game? it's a missed opportunity, but I'm just not going to do it. Jesus. I, you know, <laughs> It's, it, I think we're, I'm trying my best here with this show. And, and I think hopefully, you know, our listeners uh, appreciate the content we've brought forward and kind of just sort of, you know, as we've done all college basketball season, trying to roll with the punches here a little bit. I think the happiest thing for you is that we don't have to talk about the Ivy league conference tournament this year. 
That is nice. That is nice because I would have probably tried to slip, you know, like if in our notes, I would have tried tried to hope that you didn't see that one, you know, but uh, you probably would have brought it up on the show and I'd been going, damn, Ivy League, you know, but we don't have to do that this year. So that's nice. No, I always try to. Uh, the one thing that is tough, and, and I you know, mentioned this a little bit earlier, we're going to try to do a second show this week. I don't know if it's going to happen, but if not, the CAA and the Summit, looks like those start on Saturday. We didn't talk about those. Uh, we didn't talk about the Northeast Conference. Did we talk about the Northeast Conference last week? I don't remember. <laughs> it's hard for me to remember what's happened, Adam. <laughs> it's hard to remember the Northeast Conference. No offense to you know anybody out there that's a Northeast Conference fan. Uh, but the CAA and the summit will try to get to here on another show this week. If we can't, it kind of is what it is next Monday. We'll actually have odds for hopefully most of these, because a lot of them are, are much bigger conferences. There are conference odds out for the power conferences and all of that, but the brackets aren't even set yet. So, you know, if you're betting into those more power to you, but before we sign off here, uh, you know, we didn't do anything with regards to what's left of the regular season. We had a couple of games to touch on real quickly, but one thing I think is worth pointing out, you know, we talked about the OVC and how they don't take everybody. Some of these conference tournaments don't take everybody. Some of these conferences, some of these teams just won't be super invested over this last week, week and a half of the regular season. So there is that, you know, you kind of want to either find some quotes or just sort of look at how teams are playing and kind of figure out, uh, you know, if, if they're still there mentally or not. Right. Yeah. And some of these teams could be locked into their spot in the conference tournament to where they don't care to play that last game. Uh, you know, they may sit out some guys who are a bit banged up, you know, so um, look for spots like that. There's got to be some spots um, in that. Um, also, some of these teams don't care. Like you said, some of these teams are going to be fighting to the finish. Some of these teams don't care at all. Some of the teams already know they're not eligible for the conference tournament. Um, then you can argue about whether they care about the last couple regular season games or not. You know, that's a bit complicated, but there are some interesting situational spots this week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, we talk about Stephen F. Austin. You know, they found out that they were moving their postseason ban, came out and absolutely trucked Northwestern State by 26, then lost to Lamar in double overtime, a game that they should not have lost. Lamar is not a very good team. So, you know, it's kind of up and down. We'll see if they take out their frustrations on Central Arkansas. But also, too, you know, for Stephen F. Austin here, and I don't know if the schedule's right on Torvik, and if it's not, I apologize, but it looks like their last two games of the regular season, Abilene Christian and Sam Houston state to where they're not going to the conference tournament, but those are the other two best teams in this league. So I've got to think the lumberjacks want to go into the off season with something positive, especially having a very senior laden roster. So I don't think the lumberjacks quit, even though, you know, the NCAA tournament won't be a thing for them. Yeah, I would think that they would care about those games because they know they don't have the conference tournament. So these are the games that mean a lot and they could ruin somebody else's season or knock them off that top spot. Um, I think, you know, with four teams there, with two losses in the Southland, there's a lot to be decided. Um, Abilene just lost at at Central Arkansas, which is really inexcusable. And Stephen F. Austin and, and Abilene play this Wednesday. I think that should be a very good game. Um, Stephen F. Austin was blown out at Abilene earlier this year. I think that's a, a one to circle because Abilene's trying to bounce back from the Central Arkansas loss. Stephen F. Austin uh, plays Monday and then Wednesday again, and they just lost in double overtime to Lamar. So, you know, you could argue that Abilene's in a good spot because they have more rest and they're coming off a loss. But I think Stephen F. Austin would be highly invested in that game as well. 
One other game to talk about here. I mean, we kind of have to, right? I mean, this is a game we have to talk about. And last week, I think this one was kind of changing on us as we were doing the show here. Uh, West Virginia and Baylor were supposed to play in Waco last week. They moved the schedule around. They said something about they didn't want teams playing three times in consecutive weeks or, or something like that. So instead, what they did now was they sent Baylor up to Morgantown. So now Baylor's got to go play in Morgantown. I think this game is tomorrow night on Tuesday night, right? Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, Baylor just lost at Kansas. And we know that Baylor was favored in that game. Kansas has been playing really good defense here lately. Baylor didn't play well in that game against Iowa State. They came off that long COVID pause, didn't play well in that one. Um, People expected them to bounce back and look good against Kansas. They didn't. Now they go to West Virginia. Traveling to West Virginia is is never easy. You know, I mean, there's probably some country roads reference here or something. But um, this this is a spot where West Virginia has been very good at home. Bob Huggins, very, very good coach. West Virginia shoots the ball a lot better this year than they have in the past. They're shooting 40% from three in the conference I like West Virginia here if they're catching as many points as what the projections are showing here. I see plus four on Ken Palm. I think, uh, you know, probably won't be four, honestly, given Baylor's recent form and how West Virginia has been playing. But I think West Virginia is in a pretty good situation here as well. Baylor still, you know, it seems like they're feeling the effects of that COVID pause. I want to see them play really well again before I bet on them. So the only side I could bet here would be West Virginia. Yeah, as you said, I mean, the travel is is definitely a difficult thing here. And, and you know, when you look at travel this season for Baylor, I mean, you know, they don't really have a whole lot of it. You know, they played some neutral site games early on. They went up to Iowa State, won that game by 11. That's basically the longest road trip they've had. I mean, all they've done is go to uh, Stillwater since January 2nd. Otherwise, all of their games have been in the state of Texas, except for that trip to Lawrence, and we saw how that went for them on Saturday. So for Baylor here, you know, I think you want to see them play well in this road environment because they have not traveled much. And as we know about the NCAA tournament, it's only going to be in one place. It's only going to be in Indianapolis, but you know, we don't have a lot of great data points of Baylor being a long way from home this season, both by sample size and also by some of the performances. So I think it's going to be something interesting to watch for the bears for sure. Yeah, and last year in the final game of the year, they went to West Virginia and lost by 12 points. You know, that Baylor team was pretty good last year also, 26-4. and four. Now, they're a little bit better this year than they were last year. Uh, West Virginia maybe not quite as good as they were, but I think a pretty similar team. Um, you know, we'll see how many points we're catching with West Virginia here. I think the market will be a little bit lower on Baylor than, than um, the projected numbers are here for Ken Palm, Haslametrics, some of the other sites. Lastly here, real quick, I think we're just a little bit over an hour, maybe an hour 10 on the show, something like that. But real quick, I know you took a position on Loyola Chicago earlier on at a futures price that is long, 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 long gone. Have you picked up anything else for your futures portfolio or not really yet? I haven't, but I do want to look at that this week. It's on it's on my list. Uh, a lot of things to do this time of the year, but that that's something I want to look at here. Um, you know, I've tried not to take too many futures this year because of everything that's going on, but... I want to look at, you know, who will make the tournament, you know, and who will win the tournament here this week. So if we do a second spot this week, this week, let's see if I have any more by then. Kyle Hunter, professional better and handicapper over at huntersportspicks.com. What's going on over there right now, man? 
I put up my March Madness Early Access Pass. And what that is, that gives you every single play from now through the final game of the NCAA tournament. Usually put that up, you know, right as March Madness is starting. So now you'll get conference tournament time, the rest of the regular season for the teams that are playing that. That's up for 300 bucks. You can also mention ATS Radio. I'll give you 50 bucks off. You can uh, send me a message at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter or Kyle at HunterSportsPicks.com. So it'd be 250 bucks for all my plays in college hoops from now through the end of the season. Well, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks at HunterSportsPicks.com is the website. Kyle Hunter, appreciate the time as always, brother. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, man. Thanks. There you go. Once again, professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from HunterSportsPicks.com at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter. Coming up on Tuesday, we'll chat the Arnold Palmer Invitational, some pucks and some cars with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.